Gospel lesson is taken from the 10th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, beginning with the 25th verse. This is a familiar passage, a familiar parable of Jesus. Verse 25 of Luke 10, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he had come to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And Jesus asked, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. This is one of the most familiar uh, stories or accounts or parables from the Bible. This is something that we heard in Sunday school if we grew up in church, or if we grew up in church, we probably heard it talked about in youth group. And if we've been in church for, for a number of years, we probably have preached it, heard it preached more than, than one time, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The message is familiar. We, we recognize the, me- the message, and, and, we, and we probably recognize most of the meaning of this parable for our lives. So it's easy for us to tune, uh, to tune out the sermon, because we've heard this one already. We've heard this one many times. So you might be thinking, well, I could just tune out and think about other things today. I encourage you, don't tune this message out today, even though you've heard it. And you know the meaning of it, hear it fresh and hear it anew today. I think the typical application of this parable is preached something like this. The good Samaritan was a good neighbor. And we are called to be good neighbors to others. We're called to be like the good Samaritan. We're called to be kind, kindness, kindness. So we've been in the middle of a sermon series for quite some time on the fruit of the Spirit. 
And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and what? You can say it. Kindness. Kindness. So the point of the parable is the good Samaritan was a good neighbor. He showed sacrificial kindness. And we're also called to give and to show and to demonstrate sacrificial kindness towards our neighbor. But I think that the parable teaches something even deeper. It teaches us something even more profound. Who is the ultimate Good Samaritan? Jesus. Jesus is the Good Samaritan who saw you and me lying half dead. Actually, the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he's the one who stopped. And he's the one who took care of us. He's the one who picked us up and paid for our healing, for our salvation, for our life. Jesus is the one who was ultimately sacrificial in his kindness towards you and I. Kindness. We're called to be kind because God was first kind towards us. And we read today in the psalm about this loving kindness. that The Old Testament is full of this phrase of, of God's loving kindness. He loves you. And His love for you is demonstrated in His kindness towards you. But kindness is difficult. Kindness sometimes, I, well, well, definitely for me, is, is impossible. Um, and, and kindness uh, shown by others towards me is, is really difficult. When we first moved into Linwood, our neighbors didn't like us very much. You see, the, the person who had lived there before was, was an older gentleman. And he was a quiet man. All of a sudden, the U-Haul pulls up. A family that had just lived in New York for almost nine years pulls up. And we're not a quiet family. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you know my daughter, we're not a quiet family. So we pull into the neighborhood. We follow this, this night Christian old man. We actually got his, uh, his Our Daily Bread subscription for a little while, um, which was really nice. But here we, we pull into the neighborhood, and, and our, our neighbors don't like us. We're like, here we are to share the gospel. And they don't like us. We're noisy. We're loud. And then did I ever tell you that I drove on my neighbor's lawn with my dad's Hummer. <laughs> I couldn't get the trailer backed in just right, so I had to go up on his lawn. Now his lawn wasn't one of these beautifully manicured lawns. It was about this high with weeds, and I thought he wouldn't mind if I... It's in the middle of the summer, it's all brown, he wouldn't mind. And he comes outside without his shirt on, and he has a, 
a, a tattoo of an AK-47 across his chest. And then his wife comes out and she starts cussing at me. <laughs> I said, I didn't think you would care about your lawn. So then I'm sitting in the living room and I'm like, what, what can I do to make amends with my, with my neighbor? And then my dad says, I, I, he probably likes beer. So, <laughs> so my, my wife and, and my mom, they had to go shopping. I said, would you buy a case of beer on, on your way to the grocery store? And I brought it over to him and all of a sudden everything changed. <laughs> he liked me. Kindness. It's hard to be kind towards others, and when you move into a neighborhood and they, you're noisy, sometimes it's hard for other people to be kind towards you, and I get it, I understand it. So the typical application is preached something like this. The Good Samaritan was a kind neighbor, and we're called to be kind neighbors, just like the Good Samaritan. Be kind, be good. We agree. This is a major application of this sermon. As Christians, if we see our neighbor in need and do nothing to help, are we really following the Lord? Are we really living for the Lord if we see people in need and just pass by and do nothing to help? You see, we live in a world with deep needs. And certainly we who carry the message of Christ to carry the message of the gospel, we should be the first people to step up and to do something to help those who are in need. So the parable does lead us to this conclusion. We're to love our neighbor, show sacrificial kindness towards our neighbor, like the Good Samaritan, even give of our own resources to give of ourselves in sacrificial ways, in ways that truly cost us something to help others. So we're going to go back to the passage now to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. So Santana, my son, he's running the slides today. So let's see if you can keep up with me, Santana. If we go back to the passage of Luke chapter 10, verse 25, or open your Bibles. Santana, yeah, my son just said, yeah, he's, he's learning how to run this here. So verse 25 and through 28, and it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, and here's the question he asked. He asked this question, What shall I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What shall I do? Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And this uh, lawyer said that uh, you shall, this is from the Old Testament, a direct quote from the Old Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with with what? With part of your heart? No, with, with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor 
as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. This answer is correct. And then Jesus says this, do this, do this, and you will live. I hope you see and that you understand what Jesus is trying to do here. What Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to awaken this lawyer's conscience. He's trying to show this lawyer that he is a sinner and that he can't do what the law requires. Because the law requires that we love God with all that we are and that we love our neighbor as ourself. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus is saying if you want to do something to, to earn everlasting life, you, you have to go to the law and you have to obey the law. But who here has obeyed God? Who here has obeyed the commandments? Anybody? Maybe if there's somebody here who's obeyed the commandments perfectly, maybe we have a little reward in the back and we can bring it out and pre present it. We really don't. But none of us. How? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He points him to the law. Because Jesus' desire is for this man to understand that he can't. He can't love God with all of his heart. So then he uh, wants to, to uh, justify himself, it says. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You see, this is a good lawyer. He wants to try to present an argument. An argument to justify himself. He's probably thinking in his mind, and he's absolutely wrong. Well, I've got the love, love God thing down, but, but do I have the neighbor thing down? Do I have that part of it? Am I good at loving my neighbor? So, so then he asked the question, but then, then who is my neighbor? Maybe he's thinking if my neighbor, if Jesus is referring to my neighbor as my fellow Jewish uh, neighbors, then, then maybe I'm okay there. But if <clears throat> my neighbor refers to something completely different than, or a different type of person, a person I don't like, maybe a person who votes differently than I do, I have to love those people? Somebody of a different class, do I have to love those people? Somebody of a different lifestyle, do I have to love those people? Someone of a different religion, do I have to love those people? So he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You can hear this man's gears working in his head. We might reason in a similar way, who is my neighbor? Do I really need to show kindness towards those that I really don't like and those that I despise? To answer the lawyer's question, Jesus tells the parable. 
about a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a man who fell among robbers and who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going, a priest, a priest, a religious leader, one who was probably uh, going from Jerusalem to Jericho after working in the temple, a priest, a leader within the Jewish religion, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, another important person within society, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So here we have the people who should be setting the example in what it means to love God and to love neighbor. But they choose to pass by the man who's in need rather than to fulfill the law and to fulfill the commandments is to stop and to help is to show sacrificial kindness Martin Luther King Jr. in the sermon he gave the day before he was assassinated said this about his trip to Israel with his wife. He said, as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, and that's the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, King said to his wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the Bloody Pass. You know, it's possible that the priest and Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around, or, or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? That's really the question that goes through our minds, too, when we're presented with a need. We ask, what's going to happen to me? What's it going to cost me? And, and so we shouldn't be so quick to judge the priest and the Levite because we do the same thing. We behave in the same manner. So the priest and the Levite, they wondered, what is it going to cost me? They said, the cost is too high for me, so I'm going to pass by. In Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 33 through 35, but a Samaritan, a Samaritan, oh man, this is surprising, a Samaritan. You know anything about Samaritans? If you grew up in church, you've learned that Samaritans were despised by the Jews. It's actually written somewhere in ancient literature that to eat with a Samaritan is like eating with swine or like eating with pigs for a Jew. What does Jesus do? He sets up a Samaritan as the hero of the story. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. The Samaritan paid the price in full for this man's salvation, for his healing, for his life. But Jesus does the most surprising thing, and he does this often, is he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. He also takes a sinful woman, a prostitute. He does this time and time again. He takes the most unlikely people in society, and he says, there's the hero. This is the person who gets it. Not the Pharisee, not the religious leader, but those that are least likely to be the hero is made the hero. My wife and I have experienced the care of a surprising good Samaritan in our lives. When we were doing youth ministry in Marysville, we did this uh, big youth thing with Maple Park and our church in Everett and Marysville and all the churches in the region. It was called The Amazing Race. However many, how many of you have seen that on TV before, The Amazing Race? Well, we did that all across Washington State. Uh, we, we did the, the Amazing Race. And um, so one of, the, uh, one of the places we had to go was to Seattle. And then I had my old white 1990 Jeep Cherokee. It was a wonderful, wonderful car, wonderful rig that I was driving at the time. Drove that 1990 Jeep Cherokee to Seattle Park by the Space Needle. And uh, we had a bunch of stuff because we were on a trip all the way crisscrossing the state for the amazing race. And um, we got back and then the, I knew it was, I, something in my mind said this is going to happen because we're in Seattle. And the window was busted out and stuff was taken. Camera, my wife's purse, a lot of different things were stolen. So, of course, we call Seattle PD back then. There were probably more officers and very kind and very apologetic. The officers said, we're so sorry that when you visited our city that this happened to you. Um, and I'll basically write a report, and that's about it. She said, there's no- nothing much we can do. Well, weeks later, we receive a box in the mail. And in the box was my wife's purse. No money, no cash. Uh, the camera was probably uh, hawked, and that was gone for good. But, but she got her ID and some really neat things back. And in it was a note. And the note was from a homeless man. And uh, he had apologized because he had found the purse and the belongings. And he apologized that it took him a long time to get the money together to mail the box to us. And so here is a homeless person who we would think, now there, there's a person to, to despise because we have all of these lies that have been implanted in our head about who homeless people are. But once you get to know the homeless population, you learn that not all, all of them are bad people. And it was a surprising person, this homeless man, who took the time to save up money, his money, to mail us a package to Marysville so that we could get these belongings back. He had no address. He had no phone. There was no way that we could thank him. What an amazing thing. Homeless man is a surprising good Samaritan. 
He, but he is, really, he's not, because until you get to know the homeless population. And then a guy with an AK-42, AK-47, is it AK-47 or AK-42? AK-47, AK-47 tattoo, <laughs> is a good neighbor too, once you buy him a case of beer, I guess. <laughs> See, Jesus desires to overcome our stereotypes. Of racism, of classism, politicism, hatred towards those with different viewpoints on life. But really, the, the deep meaning of this parable goes deeper than issues of social action. Ultimately, who is the Good Samaritan? Who is the Good Samaritan? Who is all of humanity's? Good Samaritan. Are we the Good Samaritan? Certainly we are not. Humanity has a horrific track record of cruelty against each other. More times than I'd like to admit, I've passed by those in need. I failed to stop. I failed to help. <clears throat> so who is the ultimate Good Samaritan? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate Good Samaritan. He is the one who stopped to help you. Incarnate of the Virgin Mary, born of sinful woman, born under the law, born for you, lived for you, died for you, and was resurrected for you. You see, you and I, we are the ones who have been robbed, beaten, and left dead by sin and Satan. But Jesus is the Good Samaritan. He stopped for you. He's, pulled on, he's poured on the oil and the wine. He's taken you to that place of healing. And He's paid the price so that your life can be saved. Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. We're limited in our kindness. The fruit of the Spirit, yes, is kindness, but we are so limited in our kindness. But Jesus is unlimited in His kindness. He's sacrificial in His kindness. He paid for your life, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1 says, For we know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed or purchased from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We sin. We sin against God. We sin against our neighbor. We even drive on our neighbor's lawns sometimes. Yet Jesus is kind. Kind. Unbelievably kind towards us. And so now in response to the kindness of Jesus, we're kind to our neighbors. Those people that we despise. Why? 
because he first loved us. Because he was first kind to us. And now by the power of the gospel, enabled by the Holy Spirit within us, we're motivated with this desire to love. And it's a love that doesn't come from inside of us. It's a love that came from outside of us and was given to us and, and bubbles up and overflows into the lives of other people. So may we be sacrificial in our kindness towards all of our neighbors. Even when their beliefs, their actions, they may be wicked and vile in God's eyes. May we still love them and serve them. So you might be asking the question, who do I start with? Who do I start with? Who is God calling me to show this kindness towards? Last week we talked about kindness and the friends who, who brought their paralytic friend to Jesus and they lowered him through the roof to Jesus and we learned that kindness is bringing your friends to Jesus, right? But who do I start with? What friend do I bring to Jesus? What friend do I begin to show kindness towards? We talked about inviting 10 people to church. You might say, well, well, who do I start with? 10 people, that's a lot of people to invite, to bring to Jesus or to be kind to. Who am I kind to? Who do I live out my Christian life before? Well, really, it, it starts with one. One person. Maybe it's the least likely person in the world that you would ever want to be kind to. Write that name down. Start praying for that one person. Maybe somebody that you live with uh, near uh, in your neighborhood. It, it may be somebody that you work with at your workplace. It may be a family member. It's a person in your life. Write down that name. Start praying for that person. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to be kind and to invite them to Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we, uh, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, for your kindness towards us in Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to do this work in my heart and, and within the hearts of all of us who are gathered here today, that we would see that our, our faith and our church and that our lives as Christians isn't about us, but it's about loving you and loving others. Lord, Lord, we really don't know how to take the first steps. But you've given us your Holy Spirit. And you said that you would lead us and that you would guide us. So I pray that you would lead and guide us as a congregation. To be a people who are who are sacrificially kind towards others. And Lord, when we count the cost, and we know that it's going to cost us something, I pray that we'll remember you, and that when we remember you, we'll be reminded that you gave everything for us. So help us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. And change us, Lord, by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and sing?